1: Uh, And he was talking about how the Dodger dog is gross. Yeah. I had literally just gone to a Dodger game and I'm not like, I think it, like, I don't understand the Dodger dog of it all. Yeah.
2: But I had one and it was pretty good. Oh, you had nine tall boys.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Man of (laughs)
3: the year. Man of the Year, Man of the Year.
2: Welcome to the number one friendship podcast in the country. I'm Matt Ritter. I'm Aaron Caro. We have an awesome episode this week and we have a huge guest, Phil Rosenthal, the creator of Everybody Loves Raymond. Somebody feed Phil. We're talking food and friendship, Caro. Starving. I was just thinking about the funniest food-related friendship story that I have for the two of us. Okay. Okay. I feel like you remember this one very well. I'll, I'll chime in when I get when yeah. I hear it. So it started at about one forty-five in the morning. Oh no,
1: I know exactly. Yeah, Sundance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What? Sundance? No, no,
2: no. <laughs> West Hollywood. I, for me, this is my funniest food-related friendship story. I feel like you know when you're in your in your twenties and you're out late night like eating tacos. It's just like the best. You know, you're like post post night recap. Like that's the most fun when you're younger. And then when you get in your thirties, like it's just harder to like even survive the next day. But like I was in a relationship early on, but I was living with my now wife and Aaron and I had just left this bar uh, on Santa Monica Boulevard. And we, we had this late night place. Was it called Dos Tacos or Los Tacos?
1: It's called Los Tacos. It's still there, but we
2: call it Dos Tacos. We call it Dos Tacos. Yeah. And it was just the shit show of all shit shows. It's really good. Really, really good. And it's one of those, like you get the tacos and it has all the little accoutrements. Cash only. And I love the little accoutrements that they have, the little like sauce. They have like all the different sauces, like you fill up on the sauces and really cheap. And so Aaron and I, you know, we would usually just go there.
1: Oh, now I remember. Yeah, and just like crush
2: the food. And it was like our late night bonding. But for whatever reason, Kara was just like, I want to go home. (laughs) I want to take it to go. And I just couldn't express to him how much I knew that if I took it home, I would not get to eat these tacos. And he just was, we were both wasted, but he didn't believe you didn't believe me. You're like, there's no. What, what do you even mean? And I was like, if I take these tacos to my house, I will not get to eat them. And this is like, I feel like already like all the married guys in this on this uh, listeners know where this is going. So he was like, I don't care. We're going home. Like you're you're lying. So we had to wrap them up, and I took them home. And sure enough, exactly what I didn't want to happen happened, which was. I was in one of those fat stages of my of my weight roller coaster, you know, and my wife was like trying to keep me healthy. And so I walk in, it's like 2:30 and I've got the bag of tacos and I tiptoe in and I just slide the door and it's creaking and she's dead asleep on the couch waiting up for me. So I'm like I put the tacos on the counter and I unravel the brown bag and like all of a sudden she goes What the fuck are those? (laughs) Like from a dead sleep. I was like, go, just go back to sleep. Just go back to sleep. She's like, are those tacos? Did you just get tacos with Kara? I'm like, no. She goes, throw them out. (laughs) I'm like, just go back to bed. She goes, I'll go back to bed when you throw them out. So I opened the garbage can and I placed them gently on the top of the garbage. And then I just have a stare down with her until she closes her eyes. And then I slide down under the kitchen island. And I just press the little button with my hand to pop open the garbage. And I reach up with my hand and I grab the bag. And I've just uncrinkled the bag and I'm about to take a bite. And she goes, did you just fucking take tacos out of the garbage? She makes me walk down to the garbage chute and oh, dump them in the garbage God. chute. God. Anyway, I just remember just, it just, for me, that's just like a vivid, really funny friendship and food moment, you know, that I'll never forget. Cause like that was our spot, you know? And I feel like that was like one of the last times we really ever had a moment there.
1: I miss those tacos. It's I, still there. I miss it too.
2: Should yeah. we go tonight?
1: We should go. Yeah. Cash
2: only. We, I can't bring it home.
1: Yeah. So I'll have to eat it out. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about food today before we get to the Phil interview. Food is such an important part of friendship. Such an important... Part of our lives, obviously. Um, there's some pitfalls, there's some opportunities. Now, you are a dinner party guy. That's like your move. You like to have people over, you like to socialize. And I know you have a lot of picadillos when it comes to having people over to eat.
2: So, big one for us is I like to keep it light and fun. The biggest thing is like, I like to have like an appetizer, non seated round. Mm-hmm. So, people are circulating.
1: Because I feel
2: like once people sit down, they start to get into a little bit of like formal mode and it becomes less of a sort of group, fun, friendly dynamic. So I always like to just make sure that like if there are people that don't know each other well, like get everybody circulating first. You know, And I think that's part of why I like having a dinner party versus going out to dinner. Because for me, it's like all about the conversation and feel like just once you're seated at dinner, wherever you're seated, you're seated and it's hard to rotate my one big piccadillo is is rotating because we have a long rectangular table. Okay. So I like to Jesse and I, we like to switch sides.
1: So you peccadillo is rotating, but I think a peccadillo is something that you don't want to do.
2: Yeah. Well, I don't like when people are stuck in the okay. same seat. Got it. I, li- I like to yeah, make yeah. sure that they are not stuck the whole time in that seat. So, so I like to get yeah. people moving around. So I'm usually middling. Yeah. You're a good middler.
1: I uh, it's funny, I just was reminded I, I was invited to a cocktail party, <clears throat> my friend Mayata. And uh, it was a huge, big, I mean, it was like, it was like 30 people. So it was a party and I was, I was dead center. I was like, I, this is a big table in the middle, but I did it. Dead center. Dead center. Like Jesus.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of pressure, social pressure. But I like it. Yeah. We Thrive love that. It. But most people are like, I want to put me in the corner, put me in the
1: corner. You know, what I just, remo- was yeah. re- you know, what I just thought of that I forgot to bring up to you. So we recently took our buddy Jeff out for his birthday. Yep. Dantana's, uh, Dan which is now everybody's favorite restaurant. Uh, and of course we paid for him. Uh, and we were doing the multiple credit card thing, if you remember this. And the waiter was like, yeah, too many. It was only like three credit cards. And he like made you take out cash yeah. and give, give me and Fireball Adam cash yeah. and then me and Fireball Adam use our credit cards. Right. But you had hundreds. Yeah. So you, I've been carrying a hundred in my wallet ever since then. What do I do with this hundred dollars? It's very bin? hard to
2: break. You got to get rid of them. I pawned it off on you. I
1: know. I know. I pawned the hundo. I know. And everyone was drunk and it was like, hey. And I was like, I spotted it. I was like, I don't want this hundred. Well,
2: you know what I was thinking about? And the reason that you were like, why do you have hundreds? So his is interesting because you know, I'll show the, you know, for the YouTube, I'm a high risk guy. Yeah. I put all my cards in this phone. So it's yeah. like, lose everything. I don't want to walk around with a bunch of 20s. Right. So keep it thin. Right. But then I also realized the second I took out the hundos, I'm like, how do I get rid of these things? You can't, nobody even wants cash. And if they want cash, they definitely don't want hundos. So the second I had taken it out that day, the second you were like, oh, what do you, what do you, I'm like, you're like, what are you doing with all those hundos? I'm like, pawn it <laughs> off on you. <laughs> the funny thing
1: is, then, pawning them. <laughs> I then went to the Dodger game and I'm like, oh, this is a great place to oh, so use a hundo because those tall boys yes. are like 18 bucks a piece. I got three Thrios. tall boys. And uh, I take out the hundo. I'm like, and he goes, "Please, cashless." Yeah.
2: Oh, cashless. Dodger Stadium is cashless, cashless. now. Cashless. Yeah. First of all, can we talk about how expensive tall boys are? You mean at a game? Yeah. Yeah. It's eighteen dollars like, for one
1: light beer tall boy. But then I was thinking about it. It's that's two beers, so they're nine bucks a piece. Oh, I'm wasted by the time
2: I'm finished. Right. Game. But so it's actually not that bad. I know, but it. Ju- when you get around, you know, we were talking about like,
1: oh, rounding. yeah,
2: because yeah. like, yeah. first of all, you get the first round of tall boys. You're not getting three tall boys. You know, it's funny. You're not getting you didn't get that third tall boy.
1: Matt, you're going to appreciate this. So there's three of us. It was me, Evan and Jeff. And then Jeff's brother happened to be at the Dodger game. Not Johnny. with us. So he popped in right like hanging out. And it was my round. And uh, I'm like, John, you you want one? And he had a full drink. He's like, yeah, I'll take a tall boy. You <laughs> already so, had a full drink. So I got that. Shout got, out to John. Yes, he's everywhere. He's the best. He's, he's the everywhere. Best.
2: Anywhere you are that's fun.
1: Yeah. He's just already there. Yeah. So that four, that four tall boys, was basically <laughs> that would have been my That's over a hundred. I know. And, uh, but he wouldn't take it. No, it's cashless. Oh my God. Yeah.
2: Uh, I was going to say about uh, dinner, dinner party stuff. The one thing that, uh, unrelated, the one thing that I like to do, uh, we like to ask questions. Like sometimes like, holidays it's like what are you thankful for but sometimes we just come up with like a fun topic yeah like tell us a funny story that happened with your kid or yeah you know your dad tell us something about your dad something that like gets you to know people better i like that that's my one little hack tip for making a dinner party feel like engaging
1: i was recently at a a, a dinner party where they they did that Um, i think it might have been esther perel like has some sort of like card game or something that you could Whatever. Is it Esther? I think we've talked about this. I don't think it's Esther. I think it's Esther. Yeah, but I
2: think everybody thinks it's Theo. Esther. We'll, we'll yeah, he'll out. have to look that up. I'm not gonna start doing that. Yeah. I so, won't do that. So this question
1: actually stumped me. And it I didn't know the answer for two months. The question was oh boy, here we go. Hold on, when, hold on. And everyone play at home. Play along. When was the last time you learned something new about yourself?
2: Hmm. I had it. I just had a baby this seven seven weeks ago. Uh-huh. It was an easy one for me.
1: Uh, I finally figured it out. It took months later, months later, and it was because uh, for this thing I was doing, I had to take like a Myers Briggs, you know. Fucking for sir, asked. it's for, for the, my Israel chart. Oh. It's called Strength Finders. It's Not Myers Briggs. It's Gallup Strength finder
2: What is your uh, thing? Like,
1: isn't there like a thing that you are like a type? It gives you five types, and the first four were shit that you would: know. competitive, disciplined, yeah. achiever, uh, strategic, and then the last one was the one that I learned was woo. So, what do you what do you think woo is? Like uh, a cheerleader. Ooh. Right. Promoter. So this was pump up. So it's it's winning people over, wooing them. Oh, wooing. Yeah. Yeah. Wooing. So that was my that was my strength, and of course we know that I have that. Yeah. But I never
2: thought about it. Do you think? Let me ask you this. Yeah. While you're taking the test, don't you feel like oh, I'm gaming the system? This test is so fucking bizarre. I can't even explain
1: it to you. They, they pick two things on opposite ends and you pick, uh, all the way one, all the way five are in the middle, but they don't make any sense, Matt. It's like, do you do well in groups? Is your favorite condiment mustard? Like they doesn't, they must've like figured out a way. I mean, that's an ex- exaggeration, but it's like, do you like public speaking? Like, um, are you frugal? Like, what does that have to do with anything? So they must've had some psychoanalysis. Now I shit. want to
2: take one. We should take yeah. one next time. Let's do on it. On air. Yeah, we should take a Myers Briggs. Yeah, well, with our was, audience.
1: Yeah, I mean this was this was this is strength, but yeah, we should do that. Um, I think we should talk to Phil. We should get yeah, to Phil. Yeah, because
2: nobody wants to hear from us. Well, that's
1: not true. They like us. They, they like us. They're to do, us, but
2: they're obviously more interested in Phil.
1: So Phil Rosenthal is, is one of our idols. Uh, he created Everybody Loves Raymond, one of the greatest sitcoms of all time. He's now the host and star of Somebody Feed Phil.
2: You could say he's like replaced Bourdain in the zeitgeist. Yeah. He yeah. plays that role of like, I want to hang out with this guy.
1: Yeah, and we're getting to. He's so funny. And Matt, I have to give you props. You, you tracked him down. You asked Talked him to Talked him in the neighborhood. Yeah. And you found him and he agreed. Yeah. He agreed Said to yes. talk to us.
2: And Nothing like the cruel acceptance of a casual <laughs> invitation, Phil. <laughs> so enjoy the interview. Uh, Phil, thank you so much for, for being here with us. Phil.
1: Excited. Yes.
3: So excited. You guys, I love the story of your friendship on the Peter Lugers connection. I mean, we, we have that in common at the very least. Maybe one day I'll be invited to do... Peter Luger's with you. I'll throw that in, but uh, right, I'll wreck <laughs> our
2: entire nine friendship friend person. If, if, they're, if I'm like guys, I'm bringing a stranger, they would be like friendship over. But I think if it was you, you can't make There are,
3: to, there are, make it there are people out there who don't like Peter Luger's, and I don't understand them. You know what? We've had this. Con- I love, love
2: your. I love your insight into this. So, I forget the food critic's name who wrote that slanderous oh, review. It was Pete Wells.
3: Wells, and I he thought it was especially. First of all, nasty in tone, yeah, and inaccurate. Or well, he missed the mark. I think from the big picture of why you even go. It to seemed like a, a purposeful takedown. Yeah, of a, of yeah. a beloved. But I think institution. he doesn't. Yeah, yes.
2: I don't think he gets the belovedness and the institution part of it and the tradition. Like our whole podcast is about traditions, yes. and first and foremost, I like honestly, we've been going for twenty years. Half the time, I don't even remember the actual
3: eating of the meal because we're having such a good time. Yes, and I think that's, that's part, part of, it. of it. But also, I have to say, it's my favorite steakhouse. I love the food. I love every single yeah. thing they do. I put it in the show. I put it, It's in the yeah. New York episode. It's the first scene. And I bring, yeah, I bring we'll, Nancy we'll, we'll, Silverton and Massimo Bottura, who's arguably one of the best chefs, if not the best chef in the world, and he loves it. So it's not just me. So if it's
2: good enough for them.
3: Yes. Right. If it's good enough for them and us. By the way, he turned me on to something in that you, episode you, that you should know about. I don't know if you know this when you go, because why would you think of this going to the steakhouse? But the lamb chops are unbelievable. I want you to try <laughs> them. Just in, in, in addition to the steak. I wouldn't take out anything else. But everyone can have a lamb chop, a small, you know. It's a couple of bites. Yeah, but it's uh, phenomenal.
1: That, that's great. Yeah. Um, it's funny. That it gets into what we were going to ask you, Phil, because yeah. uh, everyone in our group has a specific task. Everyone in our friend group has a specific role. Yes. And there's one guy, Brian. He's he's the orderer. We don't even look at a menu. We're not even allowed to look at a menu. He takes care of it. So so we didn't even know a lamb chop was even.
2: Yeah, I, I'm in our group. I am the friend of pleasure. I'm the good time Charlie. Aaron has his own role. He's, he's the organizer, the parliamentarian, the planner. What are you in your friend group? What is your role?
3: I am the complainer. I'm guessing it's
2: foodie. Oh, no, no. I'm complainer. Kidding. No, no, you're, I'm you're, kidding. You would have a lot of comments But
3: just because I'm Jewish, that's what we do. But uh, I, I, I guess I am the de facto orderer as well. And a lot of times my ordering is this. If it's a reputable place, a place that – you know is going to be good because you've read everything it and people have told you. And that I will say on first, on first time in the restaurant, give me whatever you want. Give me whatever you want. And, and, mm. is, and I asked the table, is everyone okay with that? Well, uh, it might be a lot. I don't know if we can eat that much. I say we're medium hungry, right? We're medium hungry. <laughs> and that's usually more than enough. And I'm always happy, always, because I do like everything. There's very few things that I don't like. You seem to be a very open
2: person in, in general. I'm curious, what is your friend? Because like, you, you, you must have met so many people from so many different worlds, you know, TV, personal life. Yes. Now you're actually around the world traveling. Yes. Like what is your friendship circle? I I would love to know. Like is it your childhood friend? Is it your Raymond friends? Is it like what is your friendship? Well, I
3: think we all have different circles. Like like multiple circles. So I literally have friends from when I'm 9 years old. I have a, one friend from birth, even cuz our mothers were best friends and so we grew up, you know, as brothers. Uh, it's just I love these separate circles. And then I love when I can make the Venn diagram of friends, right? And see who likes each other from the thing. You know, I am, because I'm a transplant to LA from New York, when I got here in 1989, I continued a tradition that I had started when I was 15 years old, which was movie night. When I was 15, and there's a point to this, I, I, uh, HBO reached my town. Okay. And it was the first time you could see an uncensored, uninterrupted movie in your house. That's pre VHS. You guys are maybe too young to know of a world without getting to watch what you wanted when you wanted to watch it and the way you wanted to watch it. There was no way to get an uncensored, uncut movie in your home unless you were, a Hollywood person with a projectionist in their house, okay? There was no VHS. There was no streaming. There was nothing. So HBO comes along. Now we can see an R rated movie every Saturday night. So I call my other idiot junior high friends and say, come over. What, what are you watching? It doesn't matter. We're going to see stuff. What were the, do you remember the early ones? Some of the early movies? I don't know why this is popping into my head, but a movie called W.C. Fields and Me. It was Rod Steiger playing uh, W.C. Fields, but it was not obviously not a sexy movie in any way. That's just the first I'm trying to remember. And and I would order pizza and then I I, that continued all through high school. And then I went to college and I ran the film department. uh, We're getting getting movies for the campus from the movie studios to watch because there still wasn't VHS in, in the late 70s, early 80s. And then. I did that, so I was always having a kind of a bigger movie night, and then movie night continued in New York City when I moved into the city. Now we did have VHS, and it was always a movie and pizza. And then I moved to Hollywood in 89, and I got a job as a writer, and now the TV could be a little bigger, and I could fit more people in the house until I have what I have now, which is a dedicated screening room and movies the day they're released because I got permission from all the studios as a courtesy. It's called the Bel Air circuit. And this is a thing. Wow. And because I knew I would continue doing this and I actually picked this house to live in because I could do this in it, meaning it needed some work anyway. I put a pizza oven in the kitchen, a wood burning pizza oven. So the pizza has been elevated. The movies have been elevated. The whole experience has been elevated and the reason I did this in L.A. when I came was to have this friend group, to have friends in a new land where I didn't have friends. And now, you know, I have a I have a list, 200 people long, and I, I kind of mix and match friends this way. I love it. Just did it last night. So every weekend that I'm in town, I do this.
1: Um, I have so many follow up yeah, questions. Sure. <laughs> but I actually wanted to stop you on the list yes. because that's actually something we talk about in the podcast that yes. uh, we call it our social universe, yes. um, which is taking stock, taking inventory of your friends. Yes. I actually have a spreadsheet that Matt mocks me for. Wow. Um, so when it's my birthday, which is, uh, uh, next week, I will, I will know who to invite, who, who oh. I've spoken
3: to. Who I haven't spoken to. No, I don't to. do that. I just started, you mm-hmm. know, from my address book, let's say, I started just uh, picking friends that I wanted to invite to movie night. And when I had like 50, I started another list. And when I had 50 more, I started another. So I have a four or five movie night lists. And they're in no particular order. But sometimes I'll just take list number two and list number four or list number one. And, the, and even if I'm inviting 100 people, maybe 20 can make it. What I love about this is, so we talk about on the
2: podcast, and one of our number one things is be the friend. And it seems like you realized early on, if you are the friend, if you are the place where people will come, you're never going to be short of friends. And I would argue that you're also the host as a role of, in the friend group. It sounds like you play host very frequently. And that has also sort of now dovetailed into what you're doing now. It
3: seems like you've been thoughtful about your friendship since an early age. Well, and now I'm a professional host as well. So, so yeah, it is in my personality, I guess. I love having people over. I do. Yeah. I love going out with my friends. I love going out to eat with my friends. It's the most social thing you can do. And you guys get it because you have your Peter Luger's nights.
2: I wanted to ask about food specifically with regards to friendship. Yes. Like, You know, you go out to dinner with somebody, you have a good time. Uh, You know, I think you you obviously have hit on the idea that breaking bread with somebody is this really great relationship building thing. But how do you kind of convert somebody from a dining companion to an actual friend? I mean, you know, I imagine you have a lot of like dining friends, but, uh, you know, were they all real friends first? Or have you converted some of your sort of like dining friend universe into real friends?
3: It's funny that I don't differentiate the two. My dining friends are my real friends. I, I say this, food is the great connector. And then laughs are the cement. Mm. Mm. So I'm in a position where I get to meet new people around the world over food. And I realize very quickly, we all got to eat and we all like to eat. And so when the food comes... We're already doing something that we have in common as human beings. And then when it's good, now we're happy. And if we share a laugh, now we're friends. Hmm. And we might eat again. That's what I do with my friends is eat. I don't like I wouldn't have you over and not have a cookie for you. (laughs) You got to have something. We meet for coffee. We meet for coffee. Uh, lunch. We meet for breakfast or dinner. That's it for me. That is, that's what friendship is to me. And and my enemy in all this is the loud restaurant. The loud, if it's too loud, it's now defeated the purpose of why I'm going. Yes. I like to eat. Nobody likes to eat more than me, but even more than that is the conversation that we have over the, food. I'm not there to hear your playlist. i'm here to talk to my friends that i came with i
2: have a i have a dinner party question yes we kind of suggest people switching like moving around like do you kind of make sure you get people moving because like i find that to be annoying when i go out to a long long table 12 people and i only talk to the person next to me
3: i should do that but i don't uh i usually like whoever i'm sitting with and i realize that that's my Oh, there's a, there's a rule. Did you know about this? There's an etiquette rule. When mm. you're going out for dinner, never more than six, because six is the maximum number that can be engaged in the single conversation. Did you know that? Mm. I didn't know I that, didn't know but that. I realized that's true. Yeah. When you're more than six, now you're definitely splitting off into separate conversations. By the way, I'm fine with it, unless there's somebody that I really... You know, miss and want to talk to, but then I'll make sure that I do. And I truly believe that our sense of taste is connected to our emotions, our and and all our other senses. That which is the only explanation for the Dodger dog. Right. Those four, <laughs> yeah, yeah, those four. There's years, no right? like, because oh, I... it is a terrible item, and and uh, I've talked about this a lot, but I it, it is it is a limp. <laughs> bologna thing skinless it's a horrible it has nothing that you like about a hot dog and why do people love it because daddy took me to the game when i was six and that's what we had there is no other reason you ever you ever travel and you have like some wine let's say in italy and you go this is the best wine i ever had we got to buy a case let's buy a case (laughs) and you buy a case you get it home special occasion hey let's have that wine from italy and you decant it, and you pour it, and you taste it and you go, it's all right. <laughs> yeah. Why? Because you're not in Italy anymore, and you're not with the person, and you're not feeling the the feelings that you had at that moment, which was probably the best time of your life, right? That's all. It's all connected, all this stuff. And it goes right to the heart of what you guys are all about, which is your friend group, at the same restaurant every year with your ceremony, with everything, which makes that place your favorite.
1: I'm just curious what uh, what crafty was like on everybody loves Raymond. Like, was that very best yeah. in the world? And did you personally, yes. you know, I spent
3: okay. as much time on that as I did the scripts. I'd been on shows where it wasn't important. And if you just have like chips and candy on the craft service table, I saw that people like me would go over and grab it, and you're always a little disappointed, but at least it's something, and you just go about the rest of your day. But I had this fantasy. What if on the craft service table were homemade soups and sandwiches, and once in a while you bring in stuff from another city and lay it out there for people, like, oh, the cinnamon buns from Ann Sathers in Chicago, or have food trucks backstage on show night before food trucks were even a big thing uh and bring in chefs and make tacos you know backstage or once a year we would fly in joe's stone crabs from florida and cover the writer's room table with newspaper and get hammers from the set shop and go to town on the crabs not every day but once
2: day. Uh, Listen, i've that.
3: been i've been on shows where we actually got this memo. I was working for someone else on their hit show. Uh, I mean, it was a big show, a hit show. And this memo went around. We noticed this is my hand to God. I remember it verbatim because it does the impact it had on me. Now, remember, hit show. 100 people working in the office building of this show. We noticed some of you are putting milk on your cereal when you come in in the morning. The milk is for coffee. The cereal is for snacking. We do not provide breakfast for you. Please do not put milk on your cereal. Signed, biggest showrunner in town. Okay? And I'm like, that's amazing. If I'm ever lucky enough to have my own show, we're going to have milk on our cereal. <laughs> and we did. And we had the best craft service in the entire You can ask anybody. Why? Because it's important. How do you show people that you care about them? It, first, be nice. That's the number one rule. Two, hopefully good work and a fair living wage. Three, food. Food says, I, I care about you. I, I want you to not just have an okay time. I want you to have a great time. But food was a major part of the show. In fact, I would say the entire power structure dynamic of the family was built on food. And because Mm -hmm. Marie was an amazing cook and Deborah was not, she ran the whole thing. She was the arch-villain of the show because she had this superpower, (laughs) right, that everyone was subservient to. She could get the toughest guy in the world, Frank, Peter Boyle, to become a little kid if she withheld food, not sex, food. (laughs)
2: <laughs> you know, the reason we had you on was that it seems that even above, you know, your expertise as a television creator and your expertise as a you know food connoisseur, it seems like at the center of your life, you know, has been relationships, yes. and you've managed to really do a great job yes. of navigating those hate to admit all this, the way through your life. More
3: important than the food,
2: would you you give advice to you know somebody on sort of the keys to sort of maintaining? or rebuilding, uh, you know, or just creating an atmosphere for lifelong
3: sustained friends. Send a text once in a while. Say, how you doing? It's as simple as that. That's it. It's very easy to lose uh, touch with people. God knows with all the friends that I have, I know I've lost touch with people because it is hard to keep up with everybody. But the people you care about, it doesn't matter that they haven't written you in a while. We're not keeping score. If you care about the person, text them. How you doing? Lunch sometime? Yes. I just did it today. Somebody that I miss and I wanted to see. That's all. They pop in your head. Write how you doing. Or you know what I love doing? I see a, uh, let's say we all look at Instagram and videos and whatnot. I see something funny. It usually reminds me of someone who would laugh the same way I would laugh at that thing, and I send that to them, right? I or a that. group like like the writers on Raymond. We're all, uh, on a group text, and whenever anyone has a funny idea or sees something funny, we send it, and it sparks like hilarious, inappropriate text.
1: Phil, thank you so much.
2: Really, really incredible, great stories. It's my pleasure. So that was incredible because you know as we said when we booked him we're like oh this is amazing like i wonder if he's gonna have like some interesting takes on friendship like we just kind of like thought he would because he just seems like the kind of guy yeah the bel-air movie tradition yeah it's one of the best friend traditions i've ever heard of movie night movie Movie night. night
1: i mean i guess it's easy to have people over to watch movies when they're not even out yet
2: no, <laughs> I, such I, I, a gonna, I know. Role. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go against that and say yeah. it's, it's hard to get people to do anything. Yeah, that's true. You know, that's true. He's built. He's cultivated a
1: really amazing thing. I guess another way, a more optimistic yeah. way to say it was like he doesn't have to have fucking movie night. He doesn't
2: have to do any of this. Yeah, and that's the thing. We say be the friend. He Phil epitomizes that.
1: Yeah. Um, one thing I didn't bring up. Uh, was that um, I loved how he talked about how you love food that you had as a child brings back memories. Uh, And he was talking about how the Dodger dog is gross. Yeah. I had literally just gone to a Dodger game and I'm not, like I think, like I don't understand the Dodger dog of it all. Yeah. But I had one and it was pretty good.
2: Oh, you had nine tall boys. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like you start, you start thinking weird things. (laughs) Oh, yeah yeah you're like oh my god is this a gourmet yeah. dodger dog yeah like, yeah, yeah get freaking pete wells here get pete wells here um i the, love that he defended luger's honor yeah that was great yeah i
1: also had some interesting thoughts on that he said it's his favorite steakhouse in the world i mean i don't think even do we think that i don't know
2: I'm, I'm, no comment yeah <laughs> yeah uh, yeah like yeah. he took nancy silverton there who was that again? She's a huge, huge restaurateur. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. But Phil was great. It definitely gave me a lot of food for thought. Ooh. Um, Do you think
2: we will ever be at that movie night?
1: So uh, we did email him. And I'm going to say, this is something that you would, We're going to take out.
2: I think yes. I think so. I mean, I know I will be. He seems like a- I know I will. Well, you think he'll email you and not me? No, I think I'll just see him in the neighborhood and we'll cement our bond. Oh, and you're going to
1: come without me? Mm, yeah.
2: I'll, I'll let him know that maybe I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll email you afterwards. I will be I'll upset. email you after the first one and go, hey, I'll see if I can get you in. Yeah. I'll see if I can get you into the next one. So what do we learn today? I mean, we knew that friendship and food, you know, food is integral to friendship. I, I'd say, you know, for me, I, it reinforced listening to Phil made reinforce like the decision that my wife and I have made to become regular dinner party hosts. I'm like, Oh my God, we're, we're starting our own kind of traditions of using food to unite people. Um, yeah. I think you learn a lot about people through food too. Like you take somebody to a favorite restaurant. That's basically your way of saying like, I care about you. I want to show you this thing. I think that's a great hack slash tip. I mean,
1: we talk about the, different levels up of a friendship when you meet their parents, uh, when you take them to your favorite restaurant. It's a very intimate thing.
2: You know, we didn't like talk about that this whole episode, but I do think if you're like, hey, I have a a friend that I have been out with a few times, like take them to your favorite spot. Yeah. Like it's not just about the food. That's about you communicating. Like I care about you. I'm putting you in the new category of like people that get to see my go-to spot, get to see the real me.
1: And if you're going to be splitting the check, maybe have smaller bills.
2: Yeah, and if you have hondos, pawn those suckers off.
1: <laughs> All right, uh, let's go to Theo, see if we got anything wrong. This is erroneous with felonious.
3: Yeah, so the pronunciation here is going to be Esther. Like Perrell.
2: a normal ester.
3: Right, Esther. Esther. Right, so
2: Cairo goes... A star? No. He goes, a star? No, I don't think he's saying. I don't think this is pronounced. What was his weird?
1: Yeah, what was his weird, effective? No. a Kiro. No. Erroneous with Theronius is. All of a sudden. Oh, now he
2: pronounced my name right too. Yeah, Next time he's going to be like, my name is Aron. Hold on. Aron. Aron.
3: It's his Belgian, So maybe he's trying to put on a little Belgian accent. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Hold on. Here we go esther
0: perel
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's perfect that's perfect okay all right uh well that's our show if you're watching us on youtube you can see our merch which we're wearing now go to bonfire.com man of the year podcast and pick up that merch be good to yourself be good to your friends love you buddy buddy
2: you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks